Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked On Red Sox on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Gabrielle, founder of Girl at the Game, and I want to start off today's episode by reminding you that if you have not yet gone and voted, please put on your mask and go do your patriotic duty and vote. Not going to tell you who to vote for, just vote. We are blessed as Americans with the freedom to choose our own leaders, and we should. So, happy Election Day. Go vote. Today's episode is part two of my conversation with Sully, host of Locked on MLB. I always have so much fun talking to Sully, even though we are both embittered Red Sox fans. We still have a good time because, as they say, misery loves company. So, without further ado, here is part two of my conversation with Sully. I can almost understand if they just blew the team up after winning 2018. You know, I can almost understand them doing that. And I actually thought that trading sale after the 2018 World Series may not have been the dumbest thing in the world to do. At the very um, least, waiting a year. I mean, he had a year left on his deal. Right. And when Mookie said no, Dombrowski's like, how about I give the guy who wasn't healthy? Like, he wasn't, he got hurt in 2017 too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and Dombrowski's like, why don't I just... Give him and that guy who had two Tommy Johns already a buttload of money because I'm basking in the afterglow of a confetti-filled parade. Yeah. And look, at I'm I'm all for players getting what they can get, obviously. But I'm also understanding that signing Nathan Neovaldi, who gave his heart and guts to the World Series that year, signing him to a long-term deal was insane because the Red Sox found that little Venn diagram of a healthy Eovaldi at the end of 2018. And he's extraordinarily talented, was when he was with the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Marlins. He just couldn't stay healthy. And the Red Sox got that. But it was crazy to sign him to a multi-year deal, especially if that caused any issue of keeping the player who should be the foundation of the team, which is Mookie Betts. And... It just really, it disillusioned me so much. And it, it is strange because I have seen the Red Sox let players walk. As I, mean, as I mentioned before, I remember Tiant leaving. I remember Fisk leaving. I remember trading away. Uh, the Fisk thing was the craziest with that whole, you know, it, they turned in his contract a day late and then he just became a free agent. And, and that and, was like it. And remained an all-star until 1991. I mean, his final season was, with the Red Sox was 1980. And then continued putting up great year after year. He played more games in Chicago than he did in Boston and was a all-star as late as 1991 when Rich Gedman was long gone. I, I love you, Rich Gedman, but you were long gone by that point. Gedman was, for those of you playing along at home, was basically Carlton Fisk's replacement uh, in 1981. Uh, and was part of the World Series team in 86 and also had a career screwed over by the owner's collusion when they refused to sign free agents and it basically destroyed Rich Gedman's career. With that being said, I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen them let Clemens walk, Boggs walk, Movon walk, trading away Nomar, letting Pedro walk. You know, a lot of players who it may or may not have made sense, but emotionally, these are all people I loved. But the Mookie thing just felt so strange. It wasn't that he was on the verge of 
you know, I thought he was injured. It's not like he was threatening to walk. Yeah, I mean, he's never really been serious. Knock yeah. on wood, he's never really been seriously injured. It's he's a young, healthy. He in his might. prime, in his prime, you know, in his prime, coming, you know, a year removed from a, a World Series title and an MVP. Not only a World Series title, AL MVP, AL batting champ, silver yeah. slugger, gold glove, third consecutive postseason. Yeah, and you look at that and you go like, really, this is who you're going to trade away. I would literally get rid of almost everybody else yeah. in order to have the money. Not, not ever, like, you know, you keep Xander and Endeavors, but like, if you have to get rid of like literally the entire pitching staff to keep Mookie Betts, yeah. I'm down for it. But we, I mean, we can't, like, there's nothing we can do now. You know, today was the day that Red Sox fans were hoping Mookie Betts would enter free agency after his season with the Dodgers and that they could bring him back. And I don't know if you saw his video that he posted on his Instagram talking virtually with David Ortiz and Poppy said, you know, it's still really hard for me to see you in a Dodgers uniform. And Mookie said, yeah, you know, I really thought for a long time that I was going to be in a Red Sox uniform for my entire career. And I was like, but the thing is what I heard from Martin Perez's people was they're just kind of baffled because you're not going to get another starting pitcher with that much experience and good health for $3 million or $4 million, whatever low ball crap they're offering him this year with a, with a measly option for the following season. Like that's not, I know that the free agent market is going to be slow and bad this year. That's why JD Martinez is opting in obviously, because you don't want to be a 33 year old DH on the free agent market in 2020, but where does Chaim Bloom think he's going to get somebody better for the price than Martin Perez in 2020, who can actually be a healthy starting pitcher for an entire season of baseball, who wants to be on this team? Because you'd, like you said, this team now has a reputation of being dumb and cheap. You know, we all just watched Mookie Betts be amazing in the postseason for another team. And besides him, their team was virtually unchanged from the team it's been the last couple years. So kind of the real tipping point was Mookie Betts. Yeah. Everybody and their mother is laughing at the Boston Red Sox right now. They think the Red Sox are insane. Mm -hmm. They think that they are Harry Frazee, Babe Ruth level of colossal mistake. And here we are now like, okay, maybe you didn't want to pay Mookie Betts and that was stupid, but you don't even want to pay Martin Perez. 5% of the payroll, you know that you need pitchers on your team, right? Yeah, you would think. And I did a thing on Lockdown MLB about how the Mookie Betts trade was reminding me of the trade that the Cincinnati Reds made in the 60s where they traded away Frank Robinson to the Orioles. And Frank Robinson went on to win the Triple Crown, win multiple World Series and MVP and turned the Orioles franchise from a fringe contender to a borderline dynasty. And the Reds thought they were getting some nice players back, but it just didn't work out. And that was uh, an instance of a Hall of Famer being traded in mid-career. But I actually said that this was worse because Robinson was 30. And they thought like, well, players get to be 30, they start to fade. And he wound up, they didn't take into account he'd be mad. And he took it out on the baseball over the years, including beating the Reds in the 1970 World Series. But Mookie Betts was only 27 when this deal was made. 
and has, he has at least four more prime years, at least three more after this one. And he has a chance to be an all-time great Dodger because when you look at the Dodgers' history, they don't have that one great Ted Williams, Frank Robinson, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Ken Griffey Jr. in their history, who is a great dominant offensive performer playing the bulk of his career with the Dodgers. The closest you have, the closest you have to that is Piazza, who spent most of his career with the Mets, actually. More, more people remember him as a Met than as a Dodger. And so there is a chance that Mookie Betts can break a bunch of Dodger offensive records and be statistically the greatest offensive Dodger of all time. When you and I are thinking, this is a Red Sox born and raised. You know, this is just insane that it was done in this manner. And and mind you, yeah, he won the World Series, uh, he won the World Series and the MVP in 2018. There's some people have tried to make it sound like his 2019, he fell off a cliff. He had a, a 9.15 OPS. You know, he batted 295. He slugged 524. He hit 29 home runs. He led the league in runs scored uh, and played 150 games. Um, for anyone else, that's an all-star year. So the idea that, that the Mets – or the Mets, Jesus. that I, I, I combined Mookie and Betts and created Mets – the idea that the Sox were trading him on the downside is insane and ludicrous. And right, Mookie's Mookie's down year is still better than like you. You still you're still talking about one of the two best non pitchers in Major League Baseball. And the idea of you're you're trying to lower your payroll tax. A multi billionaire who's in this multi billion dollar conglomerate doesn't want to pay an extra amount of payroll tax to have an, an elite team is enraging. And then you look up, you say, okay, Jeter Downs, who they got from the uh, Dodgers organization, um, you know, was a 19, 20-year-old infielder. Okay, Alex Verdugo, you and I have had our – exchanged our ideas of my personal issues with Mr. Verdugo. He's, you know, a fine he, player. The only semi-equal trade to me would have been like straight-up Mookie for Walker Bueller. And even then, I, I, I really am not into yeah. – I know that it's much, I know it's very hard. Look, I mean, we've seen this team is terrible at developing its own pitching historically for the yeah. last like decade. They basically have, aside from John Lester, they basically have not developed any real good pitching. Tanner Houck has given me a tiny, tiny, tiny twinkle of hope for the future, but I'm still much more cautious about making big deals for pitchers because look how these deals have played out yes obviously the Red Sox won the 2018 World Series but the mess that Dave Dombrowski caused by just throwing money in every possible direction to get Price, Kimbrell, Sale, Ivaldi, players and money like the minor league system was destroyed it looked like the freaking famine in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. <laughs> and the payroll was mind-boggling. And now you have this insane 180 where Chaim Bloom is now basically acting. And I think part of it is because the owners want him to act this way. He's acting like he still has only the Rays $64 million budget to spend. This, that is the only way that I can logically explain how he could offer their only starting pitcher who was reliable this year, a 50% pay cut on a deal where he was only slated to make less than $7 million in the first place. 
$7 million to the Red Sox is the pennies in my coin purse yep. for me. And they don't even want to give him that. And to me, that's just like, thanks so much for the help, but go F yourself. He has plenty of other offers, first of all. And second of all, who are they going to get for that price? I mean, you can, you know, there are people on online who are saying, well, you know, that money could be part of paying somebody else who, who? costs a lot more, like yeah, Marcus Trevor Bauer is not going to come to the Red Sox because no. Trevor Bauer, like Trevor Bauer's agent is a good friend of mine. And she said straight up, you know, we'd be interested in Boston, but Trevor wants to play on postseason contending teams. And the way that this offseason is, is already looking in the last three days, yeah. Trevor Bauer is not going to want to come here. He's going to want to go to the Dodgers or going to want to go the to Cardinals, the Cardinals. So regardless of teams that, or the Padres, some team that's right. already a contending team. Not right. Part a team of a that was already in the postseason this, this year that like Dodgers with Mookie last winter, they're looking for that big piece to put them over the top to be competitive next year. They're, he wants to go to teams that are missing one puzzle piece. And he thinks he can be that piece because he says, okay, I only want, you know, short-term deals because that way, if the team that I'm on isn't panning out, I will tell them just trade me to a team that's actually headed for the postseason because it increases his chances of getting more rings and it helps out teams get rings. It's very compelling baseball, which is not something you can say about a lot of baseball nowadays. But the point being, Trevor Bauer is not going to want to come to Boston because why would he want to come to a team that doesn't give a crap about its players? And not to mention, Chaim Bloom, like who who are we talking about here? Chaim Bloom is not going to offer him a competitive offer. Chaim Bloom is coming from the land of, we offer our guys $2 million. And what the heck makes you think they're going to offer Trevor Bauer what any other team is going to offer him? You'd have to be insane to think that a guy like Trevor Bauer, who is probably the biggest name on the free agent market this winter, at the very least from a pitching standpoint, would be like, huh, you know what? I think I'll come turn this Boston team around because they offered me $5 million. That's not going to happen. He's going to get like $30 million for the season from some very desperate team. The way that the Dodgers were willing to pick up Mookie's $27 million year this year and take on David Price because – the possible reward was much better than the risk of paying Mookie Betts $27 million for a year. And then he leaves and look, look how it paid off for them. They just won their first world series in 32 years. I'm here in LA and I can tell you that the goodwill that these Dodgers have, and just, this is just beloved. Dodger flags are everywhere. They're so thrilled. You know, there's a huge, huge fan base here. And they finally have can put 1988 in their rearview mirror. And they're loving it and they are going to, and they love Mookie Betts. Believe me. I mean, I have friends who are Dodgers fans. And the first thing I said to one of my close friends, who's a huge Dodgers fan, I was like, Sid, you are going to love this guy. He's a human highlight reel. He's so good. He's also a great guy, huge philanthropist. Like the Dodgers just got a franchise player. Yep. The saddest thing is the week that this trade went down, I remember my boyfriend was like, the saddest thing is he's probably going to go into the Hall of Fame with a Dodgers cap on his plaque now. Yep. All right. My last question to you, Sully. Mm. How certain are you that they're going to announce this week that it's Alex Cora returning to the Red Sox? And the the answers are A, 90% or B, 100%. Oh, I think he's definitely coming back. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't, Especially, I, I mean, I felt that the minute they, they hired Renneke, 
uh, that, yeah. that this is here. You're, you're here to keep the seat warm, especially you're- because they interviewed other people. Yeah. Last winter, but then they they still decided to only have to go internal. And it's like, because you don't screw over an outsider. Right. Right. And, and it probably was understood with Renneke that said, look at, you know, he's going to be suspended for the year. And then, so just keep the seat warm. This is going to be a nightmare year anyway. Uh, and, and I don't. Way he got lucky because he only had to deal with this terrible team for 60 games. Can you imagine 162 games of and, this Red Sox team? And nobody blamed Renneke for this. No. Nobody blamed. This is nobody. Clearly, nobody sane and fair blamed. Yeah, no one. It, I don't even think the insane and unfair would. That they would blame the front office for. You know, you can see all the fire Renicky uh, tweets. Okay, on fine, fine. <laughs> yeah, as if as if they could have resurrected John McGraw and he would have taken that team yeah. to the postseason. No, uh, I, I think that. Uh, thank you. I think that. Uh, uh, Cora's going to come back, and and I, and I don't have any problem with him. He he was suspended. He served his suspension, you know. And, and he's he didn't get dumb. I mean, he's he obviously was a smart manager who was doing some shenanigans. So you you someone might say, should he be allowed to come back? I think if you serve your suspension, you should be allowed to come back. Um, and you know, I'm getting I'm getting to that point too. Yeah, but I do think I mean he you can say. Do you want to deal with that media firestorm as well, um, and just that bring someone my, else new? That uh, was my argument: was the media thing. Yeah, I mean, the media thing is one thing, um, and I think that you're going to see that with Hinch going to Detroit. Uh, there are plenty of other great candidates. I've talked about this on Locked On MLB. I do not understand why people haven't taken all of Bruce Bochy's lieutenants and yeah. made them offers. You know, Roberto Kelly, Hensley Mullen, Ron Rodas. Wotus were all part of multiple World Series winning teams while working for the guy who straddled old school baseball and, uh, you know, new school sabermetrics and everything perfectly and won perfectly with those three titles that you would think that, yeah, let's have those, let's have some of the people who learn from him. Like, why not? I mean, I don't understand why Hensley Mullins is not a manager or Roberto Kelly is not on everyone's short list or Wotus. And if the Red Sox were going to just turn the page, I would say get one of them. So they interviewed some guys last week. I mean, a lot of these guys are not on their list anymore, but I, I did an episode of Locked on Red Sox where I was talking about how I honestly was genuinely very impressed with the guys like Will Venable, Don Kelly, Luis Urieta. Mm-hmm. Um, They were looking at George Lombard. And I was like, you know, honestly, like Luis Urieta, for example, is very much a Cora type, but he comes with none of the baggage of Cora. Yeah. And, but look, it's pretty certain at this point they've made their choice. Uh, they're going to probably announce in the next couple of days that they're bringing back Cora. I have to say, I would still rather have Cora than Hinch. Not that Hinch was ever really in question for the Red Sox, but just in terms of like, I don't consider AJ Hinch to be a good manager because a manager has to be in charge of their team. And AJ Hinch admitted that he lost control of his own players and couldn't stop them from cheating. So either you didn't try very hard because you were fine with the cheating or you could not control your own players. And either way, you're not a good manager. And also because I do think that there was definitely something to a scapegoat effect with Cora because it was easy to blame the guy who was no longer on the Astros because then the blame falls on him and not on your franchise. And there was definitely a lot of that going around. I'm interested to see if anyone's going to try to pull Beltron out of whatever hole he's been hiding in for the last year. Yeah. Well, 
I think that this will give it a chance to maybe turn the page, and who knows, it might be able to. You know, Leo DeRocher was suspended for a year and came back. There have been yes, plenty of people. Leo who have been, yeah, people have been suspended and come back, and you know, Cora and Hinch are practically the only people who are penalized for that. So, you know, I'm more interested in the players who were involved in that who never got penalized. I guess Beltran got penalized as well. But look at this whole year; it was just so obvious that the core was going to be back in 2021. Uh, and so I think I'd be stunned if, it, if that isn't exactly what's going to happen and we'll see what happens. I mean, people's memories are short, so we'll see. I think the main thing is that the product on the field has to be better. I don't care if it was Ron Renneke, Leo, the lip DeRocher, Rube Foster, or Connie Mack managing this team. Uh, they weren't going to win anything because they just didn't have the horses. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on this particular issue. Well, anyway, Saul, it's been both super depressing and a blast, as always. That's 2020 in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, I know, right? Tell everybody where they can find you and Locked on MLB on social. Well, you can follow Locked on MLB on all the podcast catchers. Uh, we're on Twitter at Locked on MLB pod. I'm at personally at Sully Baseball on Twitter and Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. I check them all frequently. I respond frequently. I sometimes argue frequently, but I always try to engage frequently, and I try to do so with a smirk instead of a scowl. Wonderful. And as always, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at GFSTARR1. You can follow Locked on Red Sox at LO underscore Red Sox. Don't forget to wear a mask. Please vote if you have not already. And as always, even when they are absolutely terrible, Go Red Sox. Go Red Sox.